You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Josh Ward alongside Andrew Wade. We are back for a Ward and Wade Wednesday, and we have a lot to talk about. Is There's a lot going on in college football, preparation for games, offseason Work has begun. You have coaching rumors that continue, transfers, NCAA rulings, all kinds of things are happening. Andrew, uh, first of all, how are you? Are you enjoying uh, trying to keep up with everything that's happening in college football? It's a tough time, man. I mean, I'm trying to wrap up stuff in my actual job and then also, you know, trying to figure out what the heck is going on in college football, trying to stay in line with everything that's happened for the bowl games. Iowa news is changing by the minute right now. Basketball season's in full force. Yeah, man, basically I'm doing well, but it is tough keeping up with everything going on. It feels like every minute there is some breaking news about a coach being fired or a recruit deciding to commit or decommit or a team opting out of a bowl game. I mean, you just can't keep up at this point. Yep, that's why uh, I'll remind you we have shows each day covering what's going on around the sport of college football, and you can find your team-specific shows, conference shows as well. As uh, Now we've had a few days, Andrew, to, to unpack the top four teams for the college football playoff and bowl matchups and everything that was was put in place. What have you thought coming out of the weekend with all the controversy and debate that took place? And of course, they've covered some of these subjects the past couple of days. Now that we've had time to reflect and you've heard differing opinions, what have you thought? Yeah, I mean, I think we should do away at the college ball playoff committee. I think it is the biggest joke um, in the sport. I think it is a waste of time, and uh, I hate it. So those are my strong opinions on the college ball playoff committee. I have some thoughts on what can happen with that, but and I don't think they got the top four wrong. Let me be clear about that. I think we have an issue, and we've talked about it on the show, where the top four teams – they are so rich, right? And the rich keep getting richer. And they're always, I mean, it is tough to crack that top four team spot. And I don't think there's a really good candidate to say who could be the fourth team and actually compete with an Alabama or a Clemson or an Ohio State even. Um, and to that matter, I don't think Ohio State can compete with either Alabama or Clemson. So I don't necessarily think that they got it wrong with the top four, but I think how they handled everything from five through 25 was just literally one giant contradiction of itself. It, it was embarrassing. Yeah, the thing with the the debate that was there Saturday night, especially as Clemson was whipping up on Notre Dame, and that led to the conversation, oh, wait, okay, wait, does Notre Dame now get knocked out? Uh, or which team deserves the number four spot? That conversation was obviously there. And I, I have a thought, and a lot of people have differing opinions, but my overall thought was I can't get too emotional about that topic, which team is number four, because I feel like I'm choosing which team should just get blown out by Alabama. Uh, so, like, my answer was Cincinnati. I said, I said I would put Cincinnati in that spot. I also would expect Alabama to beat Cincinnati by 21. So, you know, am I going to get overly emotional about Notre Dame getting blown out by Alabama instead of Cincinnati? Obviously, I could be proven wrong here in a week and a half. I don't expect to be. But th that's kind of where I stood there. So what, what would you say should be next? What, what would you like to see changed about the process, either of the top four or just the whole playoff rankings, which have – uh, more implications than just on what happens with one through four. Yeah. I mean, I think what, what the issue was with the BCS bowl, at least from my understanding, you know, when I was watching everything, it seemed like there was just inherent biases, right. With your strength of schedule and all that stuff, a team that won in a group of five, wasn't going to get high up into the, the BCS bowl rankings with the college ball playoff rankings. There appears to be a continued bias. And I think that's where I'm struggling with. And there's always going to be bias whenever you're involving humans into that decision-making process, but 
something needs to be done about these group of five teams because right. Cincinnati can only play the schedule they can play. If they are technically going to be playing in the same division as these power five teams, then they deserve the exact same chance. And if they go undefeated and they beat a ranked Tulsa team, they deserve to be there. I, I truly think they deserve to be that number four team. Granted, again, I don't think they're necessarily better than Notre Dame, but that to me is what gets really frustrating when you talk about what is better or who is better versus what they did on the field. And then I think you inherently see a lot of bias and no, towards the SEC. Uh, I think the Big Ten, and of course, this is going to be easy for me to say, right? Because I am also biased towards the Big Ten and maybe against the SEC and against the ACC, but from top to bottom, the Big Ten didn't have as bad of a season as people might have thought just because the Blue Bloods didn't do well, right? Michigan didn't do well, Penn State didn't do well, and Wisconsin didn't do well. So it looks like Big Ten is down. Indiana went six and one, Northwestern went six and two, Iowa went six and two, and none of those teams are playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. Meanwhile, you've got two Big 12 teams playing in New Year's Six Bowls, and one of those teams went eight and three and lost to another team in a group of five conference and they're not playing in a big bowl. So I, I just think there's a lot of biases uh, and tendencies towards specific conferences. I think we're always going to get with that human aspect and something needs to be done about that. I, I don't know if it's changing out the people or putting in more analytics into it. It's just, it's just very frustrating to see that happen continuously. Yeah. Indiana's one to bring up to me because it's a one loss Indiana team that I think is one of the better stories of the season in college football. And it's one loss was a one possession game at the end against Ohio state. And the reward is the outback bowl, which is a fine bowl against four and five Ole Miss. That's the match. I mean, by the way, Ole Miss might win the game. I'm not saying Ole Miss can't beat Indiana. Uh, it's a bowl game. Anything can happen in, in most of these games. Right. But the idea that bowls are rewards and that you earn your spots just isn't true in a lot of the places that we're talking about here. I mean, obviously with, with South Carolina getting a bowl invitation and now opting out, by the way, Tennessee getting an invitation at three and seven, South Carolina won two games and uh, combine those two teams, uh, th those three, excuse me, uh, from the SEC. And again, this comes back to contracts, but, uh, and, and tie-ins, but if you combine South Carolina Tennessee and Ole Miss, they combined to win nine games this season. Army at nine and two by itself did not automatically get in. It needed some help to actually replace Tennessee when Tennessee opted out. So to me, it shows an obvious flaw in the system. And it, it's very complicated when you have all these teams and so many conferences and obligations that have to be met. I mean, th these bowls are inviting these teams because they're obligated to, uh, especially in a year where you don't have to reach a certain amount of wins. So I'm, I understand why it happened. It's just I thought that this past weekend for people who don't watch college football and they don't watch it for a reason because they think it's a, a flawed system and it's a sport that doesn't make any sense and it's, uh, it's, it's not an even playing field or not even close to it, they were given all kinds of ammunition. To see Notre Dame get blown out on Saturday night and placed in the playoff on Sunday, if, if you're a hater of college football, you're going to use that against college football. And if you see Army win nine games, Army, a school that you're going to respect as much as any in college football, right? Go nine and two and at first be left out of the bowl, uh, the bowl system while two and three win teams are invited without any hesitation. That also was ammunition for people who like to make fun of college football, who don't watch college football, who hate on college football. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's a broken system. And I think coming into this year, I wouldn't have been one of those haters per se. I do believe that the group of five doesn't get 
the love they deserve. I, I truly think what we should see is get a group of five team in there and either watch them get blown out or watch them do something special. And either way, at least calm those things down, right? Calm it down of whether or not we think they can actually compete. I think my biggest issue though, and you touched on this with Indiana is there is a flaw in how they're evaluating these teams. Are they evaluating these teams based on how talented they are? Or are they evaluating these teams based off of their schedule and who they've played and what they've done with that schedule? Because if you're evaluating it just purely based off of talent, then there's no point in even playing the regular season at that point, right? I mean, if Indiana at six and one is going to do what they did, and they, you're right, they might not beat Ole Miss. That is a game I actually was struggling with to pick. They might lose to Ole Miss. Yeah, and they could for sure. Yeah, but that, wouldn't that, that also happen. be the point you'd make for Cincinnati or a team like Cincinnati in the playoff? Uh, while they may not have the same amount of talent or have the same uh, season, I mean, Ole Miss-Indiana talent-wise could be a pretty arguable statement, I guess. But the, the, the point where you're making with the Ole Miss-Indiana matchup is, man, you never know. Who knows in this game? Yeah. And you might might say that. And uh, for the group of five, give them a shot. Like, I, I don't think Cincinnati's going to compete with Alabama at all. Uh, but – what if I'm wrong? What, what if it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter and Alabama still wins the game? Well, the group of five has at least put up more of a fight than we might see from Notre Dame or we've seen from other from a, a Michigan State in the playoff or a Washington in the playoff. And to me, it would at least create more conversation. We would have some kind of reference point in the future when this inevitably pops up again. Yeah, I mean, the idea I feel like with the college ball playoff committee was to combine the subjective with the objective and how they view these teams. But I feel like what we're getting is mostly subjective, right? Like we're getting we're getting all these feelings and these thoughts about how these teams are ranked and how they actually perform. And they're looking at these players and saying, oh, well, Notre Dame has the best 90 players compared to a Cincinnati. So Notre Dame should be ahead of them, despite the fact that subject or objectively Cincinnati should be in that game. And you're absolutely right. I think let's give them a chance. You won nine games, put yourself in there. And yes, they're probably going to lose, but at least give them that opportunity. So I think, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's combining the college football playoff committee with, you know, a BCS like type of thing. But I also think as you kind of touched on, and this is, I could go on this for a while, but there's a flaw in the bull tie-ins as well. And I understand contractually why that's incredibly important. I understand that there's a lot of history with the Rose Bowl and the Pac-12 versus the Big Ten. So I struggle with maybe taking away some of those things. But when you're leaving out teams like Army in favor of crappy SEC and crappy Big Ten teams and crappy Pac-12 teams, that's not fair to those teams. And why even play the season at that point? Why not just create your own create your own bowl system or move down to, to FC. It just doesn't make sense for me. They're just, they're constantly playing from behind. It's just not fair to those teams. We'll continue this conversation as uh, Andrew, I noticed you're getting kind of worked up. You know, what could help with that? <laughs> An ice cold Coors light. I want to remind the listeners holiday season's here. Bowl season is here. All kinds of things are going on in the sports world. Basketball, NBA started up. If you are looking to sit back and enjoy whatever sporting event you're watching or uh, relax, de-stress a little bit during the holidays, an ice-cold Coors Light can help. Yeah, it's like you know me, man. I feel like we've been doing this for a couple of weeks, and you're starting to know what I'm getting a little bit passionate. Clearly, I'm upset about it. I do need myself an ice-cold Coors Light. we got an Iowa basketball game tonight as well, and Iowa has struggled versus Purdue. And you better believe I'm going to be sitting on that couch, turning off the computer, watching the TV, and just grab myself an ice-cold Coors Light so I can try to just chill and relax, just like an ice-cold Coors Light can do for you. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose and I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. 
Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's right, folks. Have it delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And as always, remember to celebrate responsibly. This message is brought to you by Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And Andrew, uh, we're very busy right now with work, with talking about what's going on in the college football world, with the holidays, as I mentioned. How about a built Bar to help you get through the day? Because you want to make sure you have that energy. You want to make sure you're eating. So whether you're replacing something in the morning with breakfast or you need a snack to fill in in the middle of the morning or the afternoon, the built Bar is perfect. On Tuesday, I uh, grabbed a built Bar as I was on the go, had some errands to run and some business to take care of. I wanted to make sure I was eating, and a built Bar was convenient. They're tasty. They're healthy healthy built bar is the perfect option when you're on the go i couldn't agree with you more man i, I eat a built bar every single day for breakfast because hey i don't want to cook myself something but i also want something that's going to get me going throughout the day it's packed with all the nutrients i need plus it's kind of exciting to waking up and thinking i'm going to eat a candy bar for breakfast right you would love to eat a candy bar so why not grab a built bar which tastes just like a candy bar my favorite flavor is cookies and cream and it is packed with all the good stuff that I need to get myself going throughout the day. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carb. Built Bar is the way to go for any snack on the go or even a post-workout snack. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, though, and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's right. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And Josh, have you used Locked On Bets yet? Because betting on your team has never been easier than Locked On Bets. It's hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast at. And let me tell you, man, I have won a lot of money this week listening to all the great advice from Lee, so highly recommend everyone check that out as soon as you can. Hey, what is your early lean, by the way, Andrew, with uh, Alabama being a big favorite, 19 and a half, according to Bet Online? That's a huge number there in the first round, the semifinal round, of course, of the college football playoff. Bama all the way, baby. It, I put money on that immediately. Yeah, isn't that just the natural reaction? I mean, you, you see Notre Dame get blown up by Clemson. I think those are the two best teams, by the way, Alabama and Clemson. Would you agree with that? And, and talent-wise, if we come back to that conversation, I would say – Ohio State's third. We'll see what Ohio State's able to do. I know what Ryan Day said in the locker room. Now, Clemson knows about it, too. But uh, Alabama and Notre Dame, we've seen it in the past, and it's just not close. If if Georgia beats Alabama in the 2012 SEC title game, I think Georgia has another national title to its name and one with Mark Rick because I think they would have blown out uh, or at least beaten Notre Dame without too much trouble. I, just th- I think there's an obvious gap, and I think that was shown this past Saturday. I think Alabama's going to show it again in the first round of the playoff. Couldn't agree more, man. That's why I'm taking Alabama right away. I'm also going to take Clemson as well. I haven't put money on it yet, but definitely taking Clemson to cover against Ohio State. Um, I have bet on Ohio State quite a bit this year, thinking they're the team of previous years, and they haven't impressed me nearly as much as I was hoping to. And I've lost a ton of money, and I'm definitely taking Clemson as well. Like you said, top two teams, easy. They're going to meet each other in the championship game without a doubt. Do you get turned off by Alabama Clemson? We've seen it so much in the playoff. Or do you say, hey, they're the two best teams. At least we're seeing the best versus the best. Assuming, again, that it takes place this year. I mean, I would always love to see unique teams in there. But I also just like watching really good football games. And it's a lot of fun watching Alabama Clemson, the storylines between the two. Again, I would love to see other teams in there. But I also am very realistic that those are the two best teams. And it's what you get. Yep. Uh, Deshaun Watson versus Alabama. Who doesn't like seeing that? Trevor Lawrence versus Alabama now. Trevor, I think, is the best quarterback in college football. I think he's probably the best player in college football. What does that mean for the Heisman? That can be a different conversation uh, just because it's so complicated in 2020 
right? But if you're uh, if you're drafting for college football, I'm not taking Devontae Smith. I'm not taking Mac Jones. I'm not taking Kyle Trask. I'm taking Trevor Lawrence with the first pick. Yeah, I mean, what Trevor Lawrence can do on the field is honestly so impressive. Um, when you, I mean, so for example, you look at what they did against Notre Dame when DJ was at quarterback and Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Statistically speaking, those two players were equals. Statistically speaking, but what Trevor Lawrence adds is just an amazing element of the wherewithal to throw the ball in the perfect spot at the perfect time. But also what I love the most about him is actually his running ability. I, I remember watching him last year against Ohio State outrunning linebackers and defensive backs. And this is a guy who is arguably the best quarterback prospect in the last 10 years to come out. And the guy can also scoot. He's running like a Daniel Jones. And that's something I, I not to get on a tangent there, but Daniel Jones has fantastic running ability. And I think Trevor Lawrence is very Daniel Jones like with the running ability with a Peyton Manning or an Andrew Luck type of arm. Yeah. Lawrence had another big run the other night and uh, just his ability to do that, whether we're talking about an escape or something that is designed pre-snap. And of course his understanding of what to do with the football, that's, that goes with it. He, he makes good decisions with the ball, whether he's going to take off or hand the ball off or if he needs to escape to buy time to make a play. Physically, there's nothing that Trevor Lawrence is lacking. He has the physical makeup. He has the athletic ability. He has the arm. And the experience he has at this point, he has the decision-making that goes with it. So uh, Trevor, is he's one of those guys where he came in with unfair hype and he's probably exceeded it at the college yeah. level. That's, that's hard to do, too. When you come up with five-star, number one prospect type of hype and actually manage to exceed that, uh, I don't think people realize how difficult that is. Basically, if you're not the number one player out of that class by the end of your college career, you were a failure in the terms of the rankings, right? And he yeah. managed to actually say, you know what? I'm not just the best player in this class. I'm the best player in the last 10 years. And that's impressive as hell. I mean, I, good for him also that the Jets just won on Sunday uh, because now he's looking at maybe going to the Jaguars, which is a team I would much rather go to if I were him at quarterback. And question for you, you, you know, you talk about Trevor Lawrence being an amazing player and he hasn't won a Heisman yet. Is what, how are you, how would you vote if you were voting for the Heisman this year? Because there's the aspect of the legacy award, which I don't necessarily subscribe to, but how would you vote for the Heisman trophy this year? I've honestly gone back and forth with this during the season, which is okay. I mean, you're following as the season goes along. I don't think you should be casting your vote in week six, you know, of a, of a season that that's to me, what we run into is that, is that people I think decide on a player and then, and then they try to come off. I just, at different times I've thought, okay, he probably would be my leader along the way here. I don't have a vote. So it's more of just an opinion that I'm offering. If I had a vote to give this week, I think I would be giving it to Trevor Lawrence. I know he didn't play a full season. COVID kept him out. And everybody had to deal with something, though, this season. I think he's the best player in college football. And he's the best player on uh, a team that had one loss, and that loss was without him. You could actually use that to argue in his favor if you're trying to. So I don't mean it on a knock on those guys I mentioned, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. I just, you know, Kyle Trask had a terrific season. In no way do I think he's the player that Trevor Lawrence is. And it's not like Trevor played three or four games this season. So um, no knock on Mac Jones, no knock on any of the players that we talked about. You know, I said at the beginning of the season, I would give strong consideration to Justin Fields if he played the type of season that, that I would expect out of a Heisman winner. He just... He didn't. So in the end, I would go with the guy that I considered the favorite at the start of the year, because I, I think in the ACC title game, he he offered the reminder of what we already knew, that he's the best player in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's fair. I wouldn't be upset 
to see Trevor Lawrence win the award. I think by default, I like to go away from the grain of picking a quarterback. And I think it's just tough because it typically is going to go to a quarterback. It's tough to win sure. it from a wide receiver, running back perspective. I wouldn't be upset though. If Trevor Lawrence won it, I personally think Devonta Smith is, is my favorite at this point. I mean, um, I look at the Heisman as a, a and I think you could also make this case for Trevor. I, I don't disagree at all with the fact that you look at that Notre Dame game, they lost and then they go and smoke them with Trevor Lawrence. I think you could easily make that case for Trevor Lawrence. And I could probably do that as well. I think one guy I just want to call is Devonta Smith though. And what Terrific he's player. done. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, dude, he's a matchup nightmare. Uh, just phenomenal um, against Florida, 15 catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns, 98 catches and 1500 yards in the, in college football this year. Um, yeah. also Jalen Waddle going down, there was more on Devonte Smith and more uh, attention from opposing defenses. And he still lit them all up. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's a fantastic punt returner. So I think um, the, how dynamic he is and his ability to be such a threat in so many facets of the game to me, I would maybe cast my vote for Devonta Smith, but I can see Trevor Lawrence. Um, this is not a guy who's going to be um, in New York for the high not going to be a Heisman candidate at all, but I do want to call out Brees Hall of Iowa state. You're seeing my Iowa bias come in here, but it is Iowa state, but Brees Hall put up a, a fantastic season for a sophomore running back and a guy who I think we should watch for the Heisman next year. 1,400 yards, 19 touchdowns, two touchdowns on the, in, in the air as well. Um, the guy was the catalyst for Iowa State even being a top-10 team for the first time in the history of the program. So I think that's also important to call him out as a guy to watch next year. But I would pick Devontae Smith for sure. Yep, understandable. And uh, by the way, that would be my number two. If I didn't go Trevor, I would go Devontae. And if there is a year where you can you can make a stronger case to break away from the quarterback, this would be it. And the numbers that Devontae put up, in this Alabama offense leading the way, I would argue, especially again with Waddle going down, it's incredible. So if, if he's the winner, I think it's a great story to see a non-quarterback, to see a wide receiver put up unfair numbers and, uh, and good luck to him in the NFL. Congrats to Alabama on the fact that he came back for his senior season. We'll come back for a final segment here of Locked On College Football. That was a fun one talking about the top teams in the country and the awards that could be coming with those teams. And we'll come back, as uh, as you heard us mention, those odds, uh, you can find them at Bet Online. You can get in on the action at betonline.ag, Andrew, with the bowl games that are going on. They're going on every day. I, I came out of the weekend, by the way, saying, wait a minute, we have games today on Monday. So everyday bowl games are going on. The playoff is here. NBA basketball started up, college basketball, and you can bet on all of them at betonline.ag. I mean, I texted you on Sunday, and I was so confused on what was happening this week. I completely forgot there are bowl games the next day. Basically, my routine this entire week has been wake up, do a little quick reading. I like to read in the morning and then I check betonline.ag to see the spreads and I put all my bets in for the day so I can just sit there and be a degenerate and watch all these games as I'm also trying to get some work done. Betonline.ag is where I go though when I need to make any of my bets and believe me that there's been a lot of bets especially with the NBA season also starting as well. There's so many things going on. How do you not go to betonline.ag to earn yourself a little bit more cash for this holiday season? And right now, sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. That's right. Go to betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on for that 50% welcome bonus. Final segment here of a Ward and Wade Wednesday. And remember, SEC fans, you can find Locked On SEC every day covering what's going on in the SEC. That's Andrew's favorite conference, of course. And from the Locked On Iowa side of things, Locked On Big Ten is covering what's going on in the Big Ten each and every day. Find your shows for your team and, of course, your conferences with the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, I joke there, of course, Andrew, with your love of the SEC. If you hate on the SEC, 
Here's a little more ammunition as news came out in the middle of the day on Tuesday that Florida has been placed on one year of probation. Coach Dan Mullen has been given a one year show cause order after the after the NCAA determined the football program violated recruiting contact rules on two occasions in 2019. Mullen was found to have failed to promote an atmosphere of compliance He'll be banned from all off-campus recruiting activity during the fall 2020 evaluation period. Uh, of course, they're not going off-campus right now, but he was also given a four-day off-campus recruiting ban during the fall 2021 contact period. Surely to goodness, they'll be able to do more evaluating by next fall. And uh, the university banned him from recruiting for the first 10 days of the January 2020 contact period. So not severe penalties and show cause penalties right now don't bring up the same kind of uh, impact as they would have like a, a decade ago or so. But uh, what, what do you think seeing that with Dan Mullen and the top 10 Florida Gators? Yeah, I mean, is it a surprise? At this point, when you have a job like that, you need to compete with the other teams. And, you know, coming from the Big Ten and coming from Iowa, where I firmly believe Kirk Ferentz runs about as clean of a recruiting ship as you can possibly run, um, a lot of the Iowa players have talked about the experiences of going to Iowa and not having any of those uh, – borderline illegal interactions and that kind of stuff versus what they've heard from all the other players they've you know kept in touch with um, from all American Bulls and that kind of stuff talking about their experiences at some of the bigger colleges so it's not a surprise to me at all to see that I think what frustrates me is that he knows this is wrong he knows that is not okay there are rules in place now 10 years ago some of those rules were very very gray and I'm actually reading a book about Ed Odron and you know his recruiting at Ole Miss uh, but actually right now as we speak and some of that stuff yeah meat market yeah great book bruce feldman go read it yeah it's fantastic i'm like three chapters in i'm like this is this is great stuff but i mean even just in the first couple chapters like the the rules are so vague but they're putting more structure into that and the fact i mean some of the stuff he did you know that's wrong so i just i'm just curious what what is the mindset when you're going through that is it well someone else did it so i need to make sure i get this player or is it uh, the, the penalty is worth the, you know, the juice is worth the squeeze. If I go do this and I get a penalty, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, can you, can you maybe provide some light on that? Because I don't feel like this is as big of a problem in the big 10. Right. Um, well, this is, I think the second week in a row that I've made a reference to this guy's work, but, uh, Ari Washman from the athletic, he covers recruiting and he did a piece last week where he talked off the record to recruiting coordinators from different conferences. So coaches in the SEC, the Big Ten, the AAC, I think, Big 12. So several conferences were represented, and they all pointed out some who are in the SEC, some who are not, but recruit against schools in the SEC, and pointed out, yeah, I run into recruiting issues on the trail because the SEC exists. And it was not naming specific schools, but the SEC often can operate in a different world than other schools in terms of what they're willing to do. And that doesn't mean that schools outside the SEC don't, but I think the, the stereotype and the reputation around the SEC is there for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. We, we need to make sure we're very clear about that, that this is not just an SEC thing. I mean, this goes all the conferences sure. have issues like that. But I, like you said, I do think it's more prevalent in the SEC. Just something I'm thinking about is it is it because there's so much pressure on those coaches to win? You talk about taking that Tennessee job yeah. and no one wants to take it because everyone expects Tennessee to win nine, 10, 11 games. And if you don't in two years. You could be fired. So, yeah, and by the way, Tennessee has an internal investigation going on right now with yeah. some recruiting allegations. So that that's an ongoing conversation in Knoxville right now. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, 
it basically, if you don't do these things, you could be canned in two years unless you get that star recruit. Now, I think there's a whole nother slew of issues with, with recruits. I mean, we've gotten better about evaluating recruits as we go throughout the years. There's so much tape and whatnot. So you have a pretty good idea of a five-star player is probably going to be a high-impact player. Um, you see the Big Ten do it a little bit better with you know, the two and three stars. But again, I mean, if it's your livelihood, it's your job. You, your job is on the line. Um, I struggle to know if I would make that same decision too. I mean, this is a really bad analogy, but when I was back in school, I was in a fraternity and there's things called dirty rushing. And I consider this a similar thing, right? It's recruitment. You're trying to get people in the door. Um, and we, we did that. We dirty rushed. It wasn't nearly to the extent of some of these school programs, you know, paying people money and stuff, but we would talk to people outside of the legal windows. Where we were supposed to talk to people because we really wanted those guys. I was in that moment. So I, I, I can't judge per se, but how do you stop it? And, and how, how do you, if you're a team that's following the rules, how do you handle that? Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I, I think if you're following the rules and you see something, maybe you turn it into your compliance and say, hey, handle this. This is what I saw. Maybe you don't think it's that big of a deal and say, well, that's what they do. And uh, we'll just, we'll stick to what we do following the rules. And uh, sometimes you'll be at a disadvantage. Remember uh, coach Dan Hawkins, I interviewed him one time and I said, um, he, he was talking about the importance of doing things right. And I said, do you sometimes believe you're at a disadvantage because you know other schools are breaking rules? And he said, absolutely. You just have to deal with it. So uh, sometimes the answer is just not what you want to hear. Also in the SEC, top recruits in the country are in the SEC uh, or in the Southeast in a lot of cases. So uh, with, with the amount of talent that's there, you're more likely to run into a prospect that might want something too. So sometimes it's, it's on the other side and then it's up to the school. It's up to the coaches to decide, are we willing to play that game? And oftentimes that's going to be the case. Uh, it looks like South Carolina, by the way, not willing to play the game uh, against UAB. And that's because of uh, COVID issues as ESPN's report had South Carolina's entire offensive staff, with the exception of one coach, interim coach, Mike Bobo, uh, unable to coach in the game because of coronavirus cases and then uh, the contact tracing that would go with that. So after Tennessee backed out of its bowl game on Monday due to COVID and then Army took Tennessee's place to take on West Virginia, UAB, as of this show's recording at least, is now looking for a new opponent in its bowl game as South Carolina will not be in the Gasparilla Bowl. We're going to see a lot of that happen too. Uh, we talked about it before the show. Iowa is a very likely candidate to have to drop out of the Music City Bowl. The Music City Bowl said, we're not moving this time back. We're going to play this game. And they're trying to get money out of it, right? It's a good money opportunity, especially for the Music City Bowl and places that allow you to have fans in the stadium. You're still going to sell some of that, you know, tickets and get some ticket revenue. But we're going to see this happen quite a bit. Uh, we've already had multiple teams have to drop out since bowl season has started. We've had multiple bowl games canceled. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's unfortunately part of the environment we're currently in. And it also just it makes it very difficult for some of these teams that maybe their seasons technically are over. So yeah. as we get teams bowing out, a lot of these teams that don't think they have a bowl aren't practicing. They're not playing. They're home. So we're not going to get that. We're, we're kind of running pretty thin on the ability to find replacement teams at this point. We are, um, but bowl games are going on. We're, we're in a mix of bowl games are ongoing right now. Coaches are already starting to take other jobs. You have the Auburn search going on. Follow Locked on Auburn. Great show to keep up with what's going on there, along with Locked on SEC. There could be other changes. You know, Locked on Vols, I'm in the middle of talking about speculation each day of what's going on with the program. The transfer portal has names being added every day. Recruiting continues because you have the signing period in 
uh, February. And oh, by the way, there's still a college football playoff to go. So Andrew, why don't we wrap up on that note? It's been a fun Ward and Wade Wednesday and a Locked On College Football is here for you every day. Andrew, have a great Christmas. We appreciate everybody being with us here each day. Absolutely, man. Have a Merry Christmas, buddy. Thank you for being with us. And uh, remember to go rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Get the word out about the daily college football talk here on Locked On College Football. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network.